0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin. Proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com Matthias is unremarkable. St. Matthias was the apostle chosen to replace Judas, as we heard uh, in Acts chapter 1. But the ironic thing is that this is the first and the last time we hear about Matthias. Uh, We have his feast day today, February 24th, uh, on account of this one passage alone. And we know nothing else about him. Uh, We don't even know how he died. Uh, One tradition says that he was martyred. Uh, by uh, stoning, and then his head was, he was ch- had, his head was chopped off with an axe, which is the reason why you've got an axe as the, the emblem on your bulletin cover, and, and the reason why our pyramids are red today as, a, as opposed to violet. But another tradition says that uh, he simply died of old age, in which case our pyramids should be white today. We simply don't know that much about Matthias, other than that he was chosen to be an apostle. We actually know more about the other guy who wasn't chosen to be an apostle, uh, Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice. We at least know he had three different names. It's also ironic that we know much more about Judas, the, (laughs) the one who Matthias is replacing, even though Judas was unfaithful and betrayed Jesus, as we heard in our Passion History lesson. Matthias was simply unremarkable. But it's precisely this reason why this account is so meaningful for us. Because most of us are unremarkable. Most pastors are unremarkable. Most churches are unremarkable. But that doesn't mean God's work isn't being done. Because God works through means. Through ordinary, everyday, unremarkable means. And he works in spite of ourselves. For the call of Matthias, what was important was not that he was well liked and 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 remarkable, but but that he was a man who was with them for the entire ministry of Jesus. Uh, from the beginning when Jesus was baptized by John of the Jordan, up to the day when when Jesus ascended into heaven. And he had to see the resurrected Jesus with his own eyes. Uh, For pastors today, the qualifications are a little bit different. Uh, They're set forth by Paul in his letters to Titus and Timothy. And so we should learn from this this, to measure uh, anyone with any God-given office, uh, measure them by God's standards set forth in Scripture and not by what our emotions or eyes or reason say. So, don't be disappointed if your pastor is not the most dynamic or charismatic. Don't be disappointed if he doesn't have the business sense to manage a small corporation. Uh, hold him, hold me, to the, the qualification set forth in Scripture. In fact, hold all church workers by the standard set forth in Scripture. Elders, teachers, and so on. Be satisfied with government leaders who are doing their duty as God has set forth. The fathers and mothers don't have to be outstanding as long as they are being faithful to what God has given them to do in Scripture. Now, to the 11 apostles, the betrayal of Judas, or the per- betrayal of Jesus by Judas. It must have been a huge shock for them. I mean, Judas was one of the men handpicked by Jesus to be a part of Jesus' inner circle. And yet he turns and betrays the Lord and ends his miserable life by an evil hanging. It must have seemed like God's plans were being thwarted by evil. But they weren't. God knew what he was doing. In the same way, at the fall of Adam and Eve into sin, God already knew what he was going to do. Sent his son to become a human being, to die the death they deserved. Evil did not thwart God's plan. And so again, this shows to us that God works through means. He works through sinners. God could even work through unbelieving and terrible people like Judas. And unfortunately today, some pastors are like Judas. They they commit adultery. They have an affair. They embezzle money. Uh, they break the seal of confession. And for those things, like Judas, they forfeit their office and they should absolutely be removed from their office. But that doesn't mean that God's plan is thwarted. The Lord's plan, in this case, was to have 12 apostles. Each one sent out to the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, to be the foundation of the church through the preaching of Christ crucified. Peter and the other apostles studied the scripture, the Old Testament scripture, and they found a prophecy of Judas' betrayal in Psalm 69. And in Psalm 109, they found the instruction, let another take his position, or let another take his office. So that again, there would be 12 apostles. Now, it's possible that Peter jumped the gun here, as Peter was kind of well-known to do, um, because he was supposed to wait for the Holy Spirit to be given on the day of Pentecost, which would happen in just a few days from when they're meeting. Because after Pentecost, the Lord himself calls St. Paul to be an apostle. And so now there are 13 apostles instead of 12. Sometimes this makes counting the apostles a little bit difficult in Sunday school uh, because depending on where you are, there's either 11, 12, 13, or 14, uh, 12 apostles. Um, but either way, whether, whether Peter was supposed to wait or not, and this is a huge thing, God still worked good through it anyway. God works through unbelievers like Judas or repented sinners like Peter. Matthias is still truly an apostle chosen by God through the church, even if the prophecy in Psalm 109 was meant to refer to the Apostle Paul. So even if this wasn't the best way or the way Psalm 109 was intended, nevertheless, God blesses it and uses it. God gave Peter a certain amount of freedom in his vocation, in his office, even if Peter maybe didn't do the best thing, even if Peter didn't exactly know what he was doing. God still works anyway. And this is such an encouragement for us, too. Because this is how the church still operates today. It's how our everyday lives operate. God gives us freedom in our offices, in the vocations he places us in, and blesses us in spite of ourselves. Because God works through means. This is gospel for people who, like us, like Matthias, are unremarkable. And like Peter, who maybe don't know what we're doing all the time. This is a huge thing for couples who are trying to figure out if they did the right thing and are up to the challenge of married life. God still blesses them because God's creation of their marriage and their offices of husband and wife are still real, even if they don't always do the right things. This is huge for mothers who are struggling, trying to figure out what to make for dinner, And maybe they don't always make the most nutritious meal, but God still uses it for good and blesses their children anyway. God created the office of motherhood, not the mother. And this was huge for pastors who were trying to run congregations, just as Peter was trying to run the congregation in Jerusalem. The pastor of a congregation isn't the man, but the office that God has created. Maybe this isn't a secret to you, but we pastors don't always know what we're doing. I mean, I know that God has given us the command to preach and to teach, to baptize, to commune, to pray, and I'm constantly trying to proclaim the gospel. But everything else, are we supposed to build an elevator or are we not? Do we continue live streaming because many people rely on it? Do we not live stream because some people may use it as an opportunity to skip church? Uh, how do we handle the different opinions people have about masks or the color of paint uh, or the potlucks? How are we supposed to to organize ourselves? Are we supposed to have uh, voters' assemblies and and elders and trustees? Is that the best way to organize ourselves? Or should we just have bishops and councils and let the clergy make all the decisions? That way we wouldn't have to deal with the, the purely American problem of voting and who gets to vote in congregations. The point is, we have freedom as Christians, and God works through means. As we confess in the first article of the Creed, God has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still preserves them. That he richly and daily provides me with food and clothing, home and family, property and goods, and all that I need to support this body and life. We stumble along, and we make the best decisions that we can with the information that we have and the gifts God has given to us, our reason and our senses. And we trust that God will fulfill what we are unable to do. And here at Faith, the same is true. We're not always going to make the best decisions because we're all sinners. But God still works through me. God's work still happens anyway. God blesses us through these offices that he has established. And this doesn't mean, of course, that there aren't consequences to bad decisions or or that we get to be lazy or that we should take our offices lightly. But thank God that God uses us in spite of ourselves. God gives us our vocations, our offices, and gives us freedom in them and promises to bless us and why? Purely out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. And Jesus himself praise, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from clever and learned people and revealed them to little children. Come to me, all oh, you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We are not significant. We are not noteworthy. We are not remarkable. And yet, despite our unworthiness, we are chosen by God. We are purchased and won from all sins by Jesus' work of redemption. And the Holy Spirit has called us by the gospel, which we have heard through the ministry that God has established. From apostles to evangelists to pastors today, our names are written in God's book of life as a direct result of the unremarkable ministry of St. Matthias. God has chosen you and me, and that's remarkable. In Jesus' name, amen.